day was alright. How was yours? Ugh, probably not great. Job hunting is never fun. I know it can be stuffy in here too, but eventually you will... What the hell are you doing? I'm trying something new. What on earth are you putting on the walls? I'm trying out splatter patterns. I don't know. You see, I was going to go out and get someone to try and give them a good stabbing. Then I thought, I haven't even thought about what I want it to look like when the police find them. Right now, I'm going for more of a Pollock than a... Oh my God. Don't tell me what is on the wall right now. I don't... (laughs) I don't want to know. What were you thinking? We have a bond and a tenancy agreement. Well, you know, Jack the Ripper is pretty famous and he made a downright mess, didn't he? That doesn't mean that you have to flick it all over the walls and my couch. Sorry. Either way, Jack was more than a splatter artist, freaking out the whole of Victorian London. Here, let me tell you. This is a breaking news alert. We learned who the suspect... This just in. A homicide. Police now say they have a suspect in the case. Reporting lies in the murder... That's some breaking news. (laughs) My flatmate's a murderer. (laughs) Welcome to My Flatmate's a Murderer a horror comedy podcast where we get up close and personal with some of the most gruesome, strange, and infamous murder cases throughout history. My name's Alana Mir. This week we'll be covering Jack the Ripper, one of the world's most infamous serial killers. Let's get into it. Jack the Ripper, the self-proclaimed title of a murderer who stalked the streets of Whitechapel District in London in autumn of 1888. He killed at least five women, all of which prostitutes, and four of which horribly mutilated to a level of excellent skill. The letters that were sent to the authorities by the supposed Jack further taunted the police, who were unable to identify and trap the killer therefore becoming the greatest Victorian mystery still remaining unsolved. Jack's London was situated in the East End. It was a picture of unemployment, overcrowding, slums, disease and immorality. Not much of an improvement from the Great Plague conditions, if you ask me. Urbanisation hit London hard, The wealth shifted from land ownership to banking and industry, causing the poor to split from the ever-improving conditions of the wealthy classes. The Victorian East End was the outcast London, hidden away from the bubbling metropolis, ignored by the church and exploited by the wealthy. Sounds very much like the Hunger Games district and the Capitol complex, in my opinion. Except Katniss was probably dying of typhoid in an alleyway. The East Enders were seen as economically and spiritually different people, as strange as if they were from a foreign land rather than just down the road. Because they didn't have jobs, they were seen to be not in God's favour for their inability to provide for themselves. The late Victorian populace began to fear a possible revolution of the working class that would destroy their civilised society. Soon enough, a figure would emerge that would embody the destructive power of poverty and immorality, known as Jack the Ripper. On the early morning of August 31st, 1888, at 3.40am, 
Mr Charles Cross, wandering on his way to work down Bucks Row, found a bundle of tarpaulin. But upon closer inspection, it was revealed to be Mary Ann Nichols. Her throat slashed and stab wounds on her abdomen, pelvis and vagina less than 30 minutes before she was found. The New York Times suggested that the attack was heard that night, but no attention was given to her. Either way, with no motive or suspect attached to the particular crime, Jack entered the papers as the Whitechapel mystery. Less than half a mile from Bucks Row, Annie Chapman was found at the back of a lodging house at 6am on the 8th of September. She was found by a little boy named Thomas. When the police arrived, they found a woman starved of oxygen, empty of blood, and as well as battering and bruising all over her body, she had a deep incision across her throat akin to the first victim. Unfortunately, the damage to her body post-mortem was far more extensive. She had parts of her body removed, with particular attention to the cervix and vagina. After she was delivered to the mortuary, it was agreed that Annie was to be the second victim of who we know as Jack the Ripper. Folklore and fantastical tales began to arise about the killer, referred to as a noiseless night terror. The Star reported interviewing 50 unfortunates who together created a list of physical characteristics of what they believed the man responsible to appear like, including a sinister grin and glittering eyes. Desperate to find who was responsible, men were accused and or taken into custody, but none could be definitively tied to the Whitechapel murders. Following this, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes and Mary Jane Kelly would be tied to the Jack the Ripper's list of victims. These women all possessed the signature throat slashing and mutilation in some manner similar to the victims before. Authorities would begin to receive letters from the supposed Jack the Ripper, claiming to be the killer they were after and taunting police with the inclusion of body parts in the mail. Jack became the personification of the ultimate evil, playing off political and religious fear and xenophobia prevalent at the time. Empty in soul and spirit, driven by perverse demons, causing him to commit hideous crimes for no discernible motive beyond the desire to kill and mutilate. Basically, he's the worst guy in town and probably not the best idea to have him over for tea and scones. There has been many claims of who the killer could be. Just take a quick Google search and you'll see articles claiming to have unmasked the killer and his identity to now be known. Yet all we know for sure is that Jack was an individual of medical knowledge to some degree, indicated by his knowledge of anatomy and the types of weapons used. Therefore, doctors, butchers and surgeons run extensively among the culprits. It was widely believed that Jews were to blame for the atrocities, the East London Observer claiming that the crimes were so vile... It must have been done by a Jew. Even Queen Victoria's grandson was claimed to have been tied to the murders in some way. Either way, claims of... I shan't quit. I love my work. He simply disappeared. It was believed that he didn't kill again. And after November 1888, the case was officially closed by the Metropolitan Police after four years. 
So Jack the Ripper got away. Slipping into folklore is far more than a splatter artist. But no one knew who he was? No, no one can definitively say who. So he did all this work and he gets none of the credit. He's probably covered in blood and guts every night and for what? Um, No thanks. I ain't getting that messy for no reason. No thanks, Jack. I'll pass. Thanks for listening to My Flatmate's a Murderer. Episode 1, Jack the Ripper. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Tumblr following the handle at MFAM podcast. You can also find this podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud and Spreaker. Tune in next week for a spooky episode of My Flatmate's a Murderer. Catch you next week.